Hello everyone, back with another recording introduction. Uh, this time I interview Alex Botts, uh, captain of Team USA 1, uh, top-ranked Longshanks player, uh, supposed guild ball god, quote-unquote. Uh, if We have a discussion about a lot of different topics, including, I think, some really cool ones that hit up on a little bit of the psychology aspect of the game. Alex did initially promise that he'd be wearing no pants for this interview. However, I was just informed that he was indeed wearing pants. Um, personally, I'm devastated, but you can choose uh, how to feel about that. So without further ado, check the show notes for the fundraiser link. Really appreciate the support I've gotten so far and uh, enjoy the uh, interview. Hello and welcome to another interview. I have with me uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Um, what's a king to a god? It's Alex Botts, captain of US One. Are you actually the captain? I guess you are. You're the captain. I am, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How's it going? Good. Hi. Uh, thanks for interviewing me. I'm doing well. How are you, Mike? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Uh, so normally I would ask my guests to introduce themselves. Uh, I'm going to kind of guess that many people have, know of you, um, mm -hmm. if not know you. So we're going to switch it up a little bit on this one. I want you to tell me something that no one in the Guild Ball community knows about you, and you can exclude Pat and Vince from this. And, <laughs> yeah, and I Zach. Say, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nobody who... No, I'm not no. sure I want to reveal on the internet, but... Um, yeah, no crimes that you've committed. Uh, so you gave me these questions, like, a solid 12 hours ago, and I didn't prepare anything. Um, That's okay. I, I'm trying to... I, I honestly don't... I feel like I'm pretty... I'm a pretty, like, public persona on the internet. Um, people know I like Smash, but... Uh, I guess one thing people might not know about me, uh, I've gotten really into cocktail making as a hobby recently. To, All right. Because, <laughs> yeah, I know that's not that's not super significant. No, that that is very. I'm I am enthralled. Tell me, tell me more. Where did I've this been, come from? Like, starting to put together a collection of like, really harder to get like rums and stuff, and trying to learn how to do like really complicated rum cocktails and shit okay so that's what, what i'm doing with my time since i am at grad school and i can't play them i can't play guild ball constantly anymore i'm <laughs> instead filling my time drinking and going to grad school that sounds that sounds about right uh and now i can also say you know how it feels um <laughs> yeah. but wait but wait i do have to ask what is the what is your favorite uh fancy rum cocktail or complicated rum cocktail Hmm, okay. Uh, my favorite cocktail that I've been putting together recently is um, called the Pork Chop Express, which I got. I was recently, I was in Seattle um, with some friends, and mm -hmm. uh, we went to a rum bar called Rumba, R-U-M-B-A. And you should go if anybody's in, anybody listening to this is in Seattle, it's great. But um, they have a cocktail called the Pork Chop Express, which a friend of mine helped me like reverse engineer the recipe for. Um, and it's like so it's like a, a really like you take like a really like funky jamaican hogo rum like dr bird or something or smith and cross and then it's got um cream of coconut like a, a mashed up muddled banana um 
a bunch of lime and orgeat and passion fruit syrup and just like a fuck ton of Pechad's bitters. And it's this like gorgeous like pork chop color. And it's it's almost like savory. It's a really weird cocktail. It's like it's got a flavor profile you wouldn't expect from those ingredients. It ends up being kind of like thick and savory, almost like meaty. It's wild. Mm -hmm. So I have to say that was the fanciest way to describe something that sounds absolutely disgusting and terrible to me. <laughs> no, it's so good. I did a bad job, then. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it, you you didn't help yourself that I'm not a big fan of coconut-based things. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but, it, I mean, your description was great. Like, you could you got the, the terms down. I felt like you <laughs> were an expert there. All right. Um, so... We're here to talk about WTC and mm -hmm. international perspectives on Guild Ball, but I think people know a lot about uh, Chicago-style Guild Ball and American-style Guild Ball, which we will talk about. But one thing I uh, did want to kind of just start off with is coming into the WTC, and I know you weren't there uh, last year, but you were there the first year. Mm -hmm. um, but coming into WCC this year, USA won your team, which is yourself, Pat, and uh, John Clough. Uh, Claw? Claw? How do you Clough, say it? Actually. Clough? Yeah, no, I'm, uh, that's straight from him. I'm not just making a random. No, I, be I believe it. I've just been, I, uh, yeah. John Clough. Um, yeah. You guys are coming in with the highest overall, uh, you know, ranking of the teams, according to Long mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, by by the way things work that means you guys are the favorites you're the top dog you're gonna win uh you know the <laughs> the, the, yeah. the vegas the vegas odds are are you know you're the favorite going in so i kind of want to start how does that feel for you um well so two things one i don't feel like we're a favorite we're the favorite or at least not I feel like we're a favorite, but not the favorite. I think there's a lot of teams that are that, in my opinion, talking to those guys and like watching them play and stuff, or having played them. I think they're of like comparable skill to us. So I, I would include um, Scotland one, England one, Germany one, definitely in there. Um, I also think USA two and Poland one are and uh and steamforge steamforge team themselves um mm -hmm. are good teams to look at but i i do think i agree that we're at least or my team is at least in the top like echelon of teams um mm -hmm. and for how does it feel well honestly i mean i've been number one on Longshanks for literally over a year now uninterrupted so i'm sort of used to people considering me a favorite at events I go to, both when I think it's deserved, when I think I'm playing really well, or like I'm just clearly better than the field or something, or when I don't think it's deserved, when I've been like, go, I'm in a slump, or I like, mm -hmm. I just, you know, there are a lot of other strong players and I think anybody could take it. I, there's been plenty of events that have felt like that where like my ranking is much higher than anyone else showing up, but I don't feel like I'm definitely going to win or something. Um, so it's fine. I, it doesn't bother me too much. It used to... For a while, when I was first starting playing Guild Ball and trying to be competitive and stuff, I really wanted to be that, and it was like it always made me angry when people were like counting me out or not thinking me thinking that I was the favorite. And then mm -hmm. once I became more quote unquote established as one of the top players in the world, or as the top player in the world, depending on who you ask, I guess. Um, then it's sort of it was it was nerve wracking for a little bit. Now I just kind of got used to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so well, it so I. Like, 
I guess um, I guess I want to dive into that a little bit more because uh, you know that pressure and stress and nerves of of performance and doing well, um, and it goes you know multiple ways. Obviously, there's the pr- pressure to perform well when you are expected to, as well as pressure to perform well when you have something uh, you want to prove. Um, but I, and actually really, really, really timely because there was just a Roll Better podcast about this topic and them talking through someone who's struggling with this. So I guess maybe we can, I, I really, really was yelling at my phone when I was listening to the, uh, to the podcast and trying to like give my psychologist advice, but I'd love to hear uh, your perspective, especially since, you know, as you mentioned, it, it you feel like it's something you have gotten through somewhat, or at least been able to manage um how how, how? yeah um, <laughs> i know very abrupt answer to that <laughs> long question how how have you what what are some strategies that you've used to handle pressure stress or you know to minimize it yeah um so i think there's like a i don't know I, i'm sure that a ton of you know there's a lot of people who are competitors at a top or near top level of the thing that they do you know there's athletes there's esports players there's like chess players other tabletop game players and i'm sure everybody has like a pretty different like approach to this type of thing i think two things have sort of worked for me um the first one is sort of works in the short term and i would recommend this for people if they have like one particular event that for some reason they're really worried about and um that's just to make to like choose a smaller objective than winning the whole thing and Mm -hmm. just like focus on that because so if you especially if you if you're quote unquote established if you've won a lot of tournaments before or people consider you a really good player or whatever then you will kind of feel like winning another tournament is it's not so much your it's not so much an objective as it is like your duty or your obligation mm-hmm. and so to get away from that you want to like find an objective you want to like focus on an objective within the event that you haven't done before like beat this specific player that you either have always lost to or have just never played before and you heard they're good um i do that a lot i'll like focus on someone i've never played before and like hope i get to play them and like focus on their play style and just like prepare for them um another thing another similar thing i'll do is like try to think about getting like winning in a certain way winning at least one game in a certain way and it's usually it can't be something too wild like it can't be you know like a bear goal with yeah exactly it can't be like win with a bear goal as your last points or whatever because you don't want it to sabotage your game but just like you know like if you're playing union you could be like i really want to make sure that i get um like four scything blows off this this game because that's like Mm -hmm. a reasonable thing to hope for anyway right so yeah just like make it about something that you haven't done before or something that can make the event feel smaller to you i think that's really important for me because that that like lessens the pressure um but then in general i try to keep i try to keep my mindset so the way i so i just referred to like winning a tournament as like an obligation i think I think there's like a negative formulation of how to think about winning tournaments, especially once you're once you're considered a good player, which is that you like you're playing not to lose, right? You're like showing up mm-hmm. to not lose tournaments. And I just like always try to focus on reversing that and being like, it's not about not losing, it's about winning. Cause I think the the way I remind myself is I'm like, so I've I've won tournaments before, but I've never won this tournament before. Like, I've never won, well, in this case, I've never won a WTC before, but I've also never won 2019 WTC before. And, yeah. like, you yeah. know, I've won, 
I won Eastern Nationals, but I've never won 2019 Eastern Nationals, right? So it's like, you just try to keep, yeah, I guess I try to reframe everything as like building upon something or like getting, reaching a new objective and never let me feel like I'm like going back to the office or like, I just have to show up and not screw up. I want to, I want to make it more like, I want to show up and like make a splash. And sometimes that makes me, I don't know, that ends up making me feel kind of arrogant. Like I'm like, yeah, I'm really going to show up when like everybody, everybody already knows that I'm like a pretty good player. Right. So I'm really not showing anybody but myself, but no, I, uh, I, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, Go I think just it. being like, sorry, just being like forward thinking and reframing everything so you can be forward thinking. So you're not defending your legacy, you're building a new one. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, that's what I would try to think about it. No, I, I really like that. It brings up a, a, a good point that I think can actually be applied both ways for, because, you know, this is a great conversation for our players, the like five or so other players who are in the same situation as you um listening but you can also reverse it if you're like not necessarily doing good but i think the thing that i'm hearing you say and correct me if i'm wrong is that you're not getting um kind of your self-worth uh tied up in like living up to an uh an ideal right like Mm -hmm. i i I, in your case it's you know i know i know i am a good player at this so thus i must do this and you're setting an expectation that's not necessarily um realistic and then you know really your own your only options are to barely scrape by and hit it or to fail right so instead yeah. you're you're giving yourself um you know an objective that you, i mean you can also fail at the, the objective but you're giving yourself a different objective and it's not like you're not putting yourself worth like i am not a i this is my expectation so thus if i don't do it you know, I feel bad. I feel bad about myself, et cetera. Instead, it's like, well, I'm trying to get four signing blows with gutter. And if I don't get that, it's like, okay, well now it's a learning experience. What can I learn from that? As opposed Mm -hmm. to like, I'm a terrible player because I didn't get four signing blows with gutter. Gutter. Yeah, exactly. You want to make it so that like you're, so by, by default, if you're thinking about it, like I have to protect my legacy or like I'm a good player and a good player would win this tournament. So I have to win this tournament. Then it's like, you're setting yourself up to be diminished, right? If you mm-hmm. if you succeed, nothing changes, and if you lose, you get smaller, right? Mm-hmm. But for you, you try to reframe that so instead it's the reverse. It's like if you fail, nothing changes, but if you succeed, you get bigger. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's that's perfect. Yeah, uh, and then I think you should also be like you said, setting the smaller goals, ones that are more achievable. So if you're going to that tournament and you know you know that the chances of you actually winning it are not necessarily huge, you know, big, even if, if it's like a, you know, big event like WTC or even just the, just the quality of the players, just set yourself up with something like I am going to do this and make that this something that's both achievable. And then if you are successful in it, you're going to feel great and wonderful. Uh, even if it's just like, I want to, you know, learn how to, um, you know, uh, I don't know. I, play really aggressively with a, a scoring team, you know, and play against mm-hmm. someone who knows how to kill the ball. Like I want to be able to unkill killing the ball. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, excellent. Love it. So jumping. Well, I guess I, uh, you had mentioned real quick. I, I, do you have any story anytime you feel like the nerves have gotten to you? Cause I feel like, and, and I'm, I don't, can't tell what, but I feel like I do remember one time we were at an event together where you were feeling nervous. Not often. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I think it, it's definitely, 
really i do think it gets to me almost every event briefly like it'll be like running up to one game i'll be like oh shit i'm really nervous all of a sudden or something like that so i don't, I don't want to like i don't want to claim that this is these are all like foolproof strategies that I've oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but I do, do you have a good story a uh, good story um hmm you could uh, also say no <laughs> I, I just like i feel like i don't I don't really have one where it's like the nerves fell apart for me, like running uh-huh. up to something. The the thing that happens for me is when I underperform and I realize after the fact that I was not keeping up my mentality that way. And then I like really, so like actually going back to the WTC, like um, my first WTC, my, my only WTC thus far, which is the first Guild Ball WTC, uh, our team was playing and it was me, Vince and Pat um, that year. So it was an all Chicago team. Um, and we were playing really well, I thought, uh, day one, and we got through to day two, and then day two we ran into Germany one, the eventual winners, um, mm-hmm. and we got 3 owed. And uh, so I I could be wrong about this, and Pat and Vince might correct me, but I'm pretty sure my game ended first. Um, and it ended with me uh, playing against Tim, uh, former world champ Tim. Um, and it ended with me making a sort of a, a mistake that I felt pretty bad about. And mm-hmm. it was like, so after the, after the, I didn't feel the nerves that, that terribly during the game, but when I, when the game was over and I had lost and I sort of threw a game that I felt like I could have, that I felt like I had kind of in the bag, I just needed to sort of walk it in, I failed to do that. Um, I like really crashed pretty hard. I like, I, I had to like, take i had to like walk get outside of the venue i had to like take a walk and mm-hmm. like it's sort of just like not talk to anybody for like an hour and i like i like legitimately could not watch vince and pat play and also i it made me realize that i had built up specifically playing against the germans a lot um and i think the nerves like they like hit me all at once and part of that was because you know tim beat jordan mm-hmm. um who by then was no longer playing guild ball but he was still like, uh, you know, a friend and a connection and, like, part of my experience playing Guild Ball was my friendship with Jordan, for sure. And I felt like I didn't realize it until after the game, but I had really wanted to, like, avenge him, right? Yeah, I really yeah. wanted to, like, prove that our group of players was, like, worthy of beating the Germans and stuff like that. And, like, yeah, we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that was... That was like a negative experience with having like a separate goal because I didn't plan for it. And it was a really like, I put a lot of pressure on myself all at once. And Mm -hmm. then it fell out from under me in like the worst way. Like I felt like, I don't know, I felt like if I could, if I had to lose to somebody, I still wouldn't have chosen losing to Tim specifically because I I would rather have like beaten Tim and lost the event. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is just to be clear, if Tim listens to this, like no personal offense to Tim. Tim's a really great guy. It was more <laughs> about like the narrative of like Chicago's Gilball community yeah. and like where yeah. where things have been with Jordan and stuff. So no offense to Tim, who is an excellent opponent and a great guy. So yeah. Well, it sounds like if I if I may going back to our uh, previous thing, it it sounds like you built that up in a way where you were investing a little bit of that self worth into it. Yeah. 100%. And then, and and then that's where you, that's where it hits you, and you're like, oh my god, it failed, and then you feel terrible, and then you know you got to reset, um, and which happens even to the best of us, mm-hmm. like for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I it happened to me a little bit after I had some success. Lat was it? It was last spring. 
last yeah, spring. Yeah, that was when you had that string of really good tournament wins. Yeah, this string of really good tournament wins, and then, like, everybody started, like, every time I came up to somebody, they're like, oh, Mike's here, he's going to win the tournament. I was like, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> and then I didn't win <laughs> I didn't win any of the tournaments for quite a while. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the worst feeling, Both, especially when people tell you you're going to win and then you don't. Because then it's like, yeah, and it's no, it's nobody's fault, right? It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Bad people for saying that, but it really it puts that negative pressure on you. It's like you failed to do the thing that everybody expected you to do. Right. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally happened in my vassal tournament so far, everybody who, who are all friends of me and they mean well, and it doesn't bother me, especially for a vassal tournament. But literally the first thing that both my opponents said to me was like, when, when can you beat me? And I was like, (laughs) I was like, do you know how little Gilball I've played recently? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so what are you most excited about for, for WTC? Oh, um, I mean, I think this is probably the answer everybody's going to give, but I, hanging out is great, and I'm really looking forward to competing. Like, I love getting the chance to compete with mm-hmm. people that I don't normally see, because as listeners, either friends of ours or listeners to the podca- to our podcast, Strictly the Worst, will know... Um, <laughs> Pat and I run into each other in every fucking tournament. I mean, we, like, literally live together. And every tournament I go to, I have to play against Pat. And so WTC, not only do I get to play against a bunch of cool people that I almost never see, but you also can't I can play. play against Pat. <laughs> uh, you, no, you guys win the event, and they say, okay, now it's a showdown. Go. <laughs> um, no. But yeah, so I, I love competing. I mean, I just really mm-hmm. like... I really like competing with people i don't know it's just so fun and it, like the emotional ups and downs are part of the fun which is sort of hard to explain who someone for someone who doesn't feel that way because it's a it's very it's a very stressful hobby especially if you care about it a lot um which obviously i do because i'm playing paying a million dollars to go over there um <laughs> that is what it costs people by the way i, I, I <laughs> yeah, exactly. can confirm uh, but it's just i don't know like competing winning losing it's all great i love it Uh, yeah awesome wtc is like the best competition you can get so oh yeah and then you add on the the hanging with people too and that just makes it amazing yeah um follow-up but somewhat related question what is uh what is usa team ones or at least your gift i guess because it can be per player uh what is your gift for your opponents do you have one (laughs) <laughs> I do have I have one plan, but I'm not 100% sure if it's going to go off. So I'm not going to... Uh, sorry, I'm not going to no, tell that's fine. you about it because I don't want to disappoint people if it doesn't happen. So. That's fair. So everybody, it's it's great, it's wonderful, and if it's not <laughs> no, that, no, that means that bots has failed uh, to, oh, to do it. Um, so I, I mean, I know the answer to this question because I, I, I have a, a view on it, but for everyone else, uh, without, you know, specific things, like how has... Uh, how has US won, but how has the US teams been uh, prepping? Like, what has been the general kind of approach to prepping for mm. the event? Yeah, so we don't really have like a super regimented style of preparation. We have a we have like a team specific Discord that is like to the whole USA team, um, not just uh, not just like team one or whatever. Uh, and in there, we we arrange a lot of vassal games between each other since we're all pretty spread out. Um, and we talk a lot, actually. I think that's basically been the the best thing about the Discord is just we, we talk a lot and we can, like, talk about lists and lineups and matchups and stuff like that and just, like, talk about the state of the game and shit. And I think that that's... 
it's helpful because it's really condensed in that all uh, all nine of us plus the other people that are in there either former teammates or like people helping helping out in other ways um everybody's got basically the same goal of winning all our games at wtc right so <laughs> everybody's really focused on just like the competitive aspect of the game and not talking too much about like I don't know stuff unrelated to that, and just just hashing out matchups and stuff like that. And you know, John and Pat and I have been playing games against each other and against other people. Uh, John's in your vassal tournament, right? Um, he is, yeah, yeah. Because you were too yeah. scared. Because I was too scared. That's exactly right. <laughs> Nothing to uh, do with grad school. No, uh, and honestly, I wish I could be getting more practice in, but life mm-hmm. has gotten in the way. But I'm still feeling, I'm still feeling okay going into the event, and I think. I think I will be ready. So. <laughs> nice. But yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing. I I can't. I'm not going to reveal anything secret to you because there is nothing secret. We're just playing the game a bunch, talking about the game a bunch, and trying to figure out what matchups we're looking for on an individual basis. That's pretty much it. Gotcha. Um, okay, so this next question: uh, Why? Why is there <laughs> barely any union uh, at the WTC? Has Europe gone mad? <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. This is. <laughs> Union is one of those teams that, like, is in my opinion and in the opinion of a lot of other players very strong, but that a lot of European top players would tend to avoid. I think in general, European players prefer football guilds and or control guilds. Um, I think they they most love when those two things intersect, which is why you see a lot of fish at WTC. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, I think the, like, quote-unquote pure fighting guilds like butchers and union and i guess i would put falconers and cooks in that mix too um those guilds tend to be less popular in europe and especially less popular around wtc i think because they tend to european players tend to feel that they're less reliable or just less interesting um I think Union is one of the best teams in the game right now, but I think there are a lot of good teams. So I don't like I don't think it's totally crazy to not have a Union player. It's not like Union is this weird gotcha. I, sure. I mean, they're, they're really they're just they're a type of team that's the type of team that I like to play, which is just like fighting focused but flexible with a lot of like with a lot of like good stats. That's like mm-hmm. what I like. Um and I know that like when you think about the very top players in Guild Ball in the UK and EU, um, you think about like Fraser, you think about Easton, you think about uh, Tim and Metz, you think about Nicholas, and like most of those guys prefer like a, well, yeah, most of those guys prefer either a more football focused or a more control focused game. And then there's Fraser is probably the only exception to that of the people that I listed where he's more interested in like, um, <clears throat> He's more interested in like very defensive fighting styles, uh, also like uh, Coomber. Um, and both Fraser and Coomber did choose teams that are good at that. I think better at being defensive than Union in um, Brewers and Fish. So it doesn't totally surprise me. Actually, the, this is not a question you asked, but I wanted to point this out. Go for because it. Because of his faction choice, Charles Nurser is now the person I want to watch play the most at WTC. Because he is on England Team 1 and he's playing Order. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have like suspicions about how order could be played. Mostly, well, by I have suspicions. Most of my ideas I get from Pat, and this one is included. Um, but uh, I, I have like questions about how order might be played in a way that's not the um, 
the sort of like balls to the wall football style that uh, people sort of characterize order as. And I'm mm -hmm. curious to see if Nurser plays a more controlled standoffy style with them because that would be really interesting to watch. And I considered testing them out, but didn't end up doing it. So I hope I hope I get to watch Nurser play and or play against him. Nice. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Love it. <laughs> uh, by the way, what uh, what's on Minx's third column? Oh, it's a, that's a momentous three and a dodge, which also snares. The, the best result in guilt ball is what it is. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I put it in here because I know either of us could talk about this for a while. Um, mm. But can you succinctly maybe explain, um, because it's, it's talked about and I think there's a general idea, but I, I feel like there's a little bit of room for like a little higher level. Uh, mm operation operationalization operationalization that sounds wrong but it's right um of what the kind of quote unquote un american style of guilt ball it is um and again rec and and why do you think u.s if you have any ideas why uh, the u.s seems to play that way recognizing of course that this is not unique to the u.s in any way but sure. um and I, and I know you have talked about this. I, I'm going to give another word for it so it's not tied to America. And that's kind of the, the standoff, low-variance, money ball style of guilt ball. Sure. So I think that, like, trying to avoid the, like, super, the, the super, like, stereotyped version of it, because I don't actually think that that way gets played that much. But I think for a game like guilt ball, in general, a player can either try to... Um, maximize gain or minimize risk in their decision making and i mm -hmm. think that american style guild ball or standoffy slower style guild ball like you're saying is characterized by minimizing risk as like mm -hmm. an overarching um decision making heuristic basically uh and so that's that takes a lot of forms and obviously it depends on how the game is played and unlike what the state of the actual rules are you know a patch to the game will change how how this type of thing gets played but um to me american style ball is like not being willing to give up the ball uh for a goal as often as other play styles and mm -hmm. also um tending towards taking confirmed slower kills or confirmed slower victory point routes that snowball into um multiple turns of an advantage state Mm -hmm. uh, and a contrast to that would be like playing playing with a very aggressive tempo style that intends to take advantages early, but then not sit on those advances or advantages ever, but instead just try to build further and further advantages until you win. Mm -hmm. um, and you're right, and I think most people know, no, most people listening to this know that this is not a play style that's totally limited to America, and arguably not even played to its logical extreme by American players most of the time. Like, um, my teammate John uh, John Clough pointed out recently online that the most standoffish, slowest style or uh, games of Guild Ball that have been played on stream recently or played like in the public eye recently have probably been by Coom by um, Michael Coomer over uh, in the UK. Actually, I think the most standoffy game of Guild Ball ever was. Uh, oh God, I don't know who the other player was, but Jason Jason Mountain versus was it? It was Nurser or somebody both playing Union. It was a Union mirror at like a Vengeance or English Nats where they like just didn't do anything for seven turns. 
or something like that. <laughs> was it streamed? It was, yeah. Oh man, I missed that one. That's crazy. Yeah, it yeah, was. So like... It was just a back and forth of literally two rage teams, and it was season three, so I think it was like good rage, like just two rage teams just sitting next to each other, or well, I guess apart from each other, but still. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean. I am known as a quote-unquote American-style go-ball player, and I do think that's justified to some degree, but I've never done that. So, <laughs> like, at least not in, a, in an important game. I might have, like, tried to do that in a practice game, but I've never been that sedentary, so... Yeah. Well, and I don't um, know about you, um, but here's how I find myself, and I actually would categorize myself as definitely intending to be more... Um, more aggressive and tempo focused, mm. but uh, I find myself like almost forced into risk risk aversion because I, I or maybe I, I feel that risk aversion, but I want to be aggressive. But then I realize like what happens if I if I do like pull the trigger, and then that just like forces me. So my big thing is I always say is I'm always looking to score a goal. <laughs> but I won't take the goal just because I can, right? Like, uh, I'm only going to take it if I'm sure that it's not going to give my opponent, like, a really good shot back into it. That doesn't mean, like, I'm not, I don't like to go to the extreme of, although it ends up this way often, uh, <laughs> like, turning into the, I just scored eight, and now I'm going to score the goal to end the game. I really right. do look for goals that, like, okay, I'm going to get jail a model, and can I get a goal at this end of this turn because I have a bunch of momentum? But everybody always stops you. <laughs> like they actually like do stuff that make it like risky to take a goal or you know they like put models in the way and then I'm like well I guess fine I will continue sitting here and slowly killing you <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah no I totally agree with that yeah. I mean it doesn't it doesn't ever feel like but I mean I guess that's that's what makes it natural to us right it doesn't ever feel like I'm intentionally being slow or obtuse or something like that but it's just it always feels like the risk reward is in favor of taking your time in this game i guess yeah yeah like it <clears throat> um yeah, sorry no of course no, that's fine uh anything anything else that you think you'd like to say uh before the event particular um hmm. no i don't think so i mean people hear from me oh well i should say um because Vince will literally kill me if I don't say this. Uh, our our second wind waitlist for East Nationals, US East Nationals, which is on October 19th to 20th in Chicago. Um, the waitlist is either empty or on one person right now. So our event is still full, but if you get on the waitlist, there's a pretty high chance you'll get into the event. Um, so I would find that on Facebook or contact me or Vince and we'll get you in we'll get you into the waitlist um if you're not already and if you're looking to come the event's going to be amazing I think probably if you've heard about it at all you know that it's going to be awesome um but we would love to have you so anybody who hasn't signed up who can make it to Chicago then should do so Excellent love it and by the way the one person on the waitlist or slash last person in I don't know which way it actually is is me um right, yeah <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I haven't confirmed because, uh, well, hence the point, well, one of the points of all of this stuff is uh, being able to actually make it out there to Chicago. So, yeah. But yeah, anybody should okay. come. 
people should donate to Mike's thing so that I can come, and then also should get on the wait list because you'll probably come in. And then you can come beat Mike. It'll be great. It'll be great. Yeah, it'll be wonderful. Um, yeah, I heard uh, I heard that I was talking to um, some of the uh, Polish guys, well, one of the Polish guys, um, and he really wanted to come to Second Win, but apparently um, traveling to the U.S. is not always, not not necessarily the easiest thing right now. Um, oh yeah that's totally <laughs> believable we do so, have at least we i mean so we have americans and canadians of course but we actually yeah. have one person from out of the continent too pete williamson from new zealand is going to be there which is that's like sick. insane to me yeah. yeah i know i'm so excited i mean i'm like i'm it's gonna be great to hang out with pete but i just think that's totally insane that he's coming <laughs> it's great yeah i love it all right then well um I guess that's that's the end of our time. I was gonna I was gonna bring up uh, bring up the old Alex, you know, what do you gotta say to Alex Potts thing, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I don't have anything to say to me. So. You don't have anything else? It will maybe like do? Do you have to do any more like work or anything like that that you haven't been putting off? <laughs> oh yeah, but he already knows about that. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> get it done out there, Alex Potts. I will. Thanks so All much right. for having me, Mike. Yeah, of course.